Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Let's lock it in with Cam Rogers right here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. A big time friend of the network, Mo Egger, coming on the show here today. Afternoon host on ESPN 1530 and contributor to The Athletic. He is a legend out there in Cincinnati. The energy is high out there in Cincinnati as the Bengals are headed to the postseason. But first things first, Mo, appreciate the time, my man. How you doing? I'm great. What's going on? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, sir. And I do want to get to those Bengals. But before we even get there, let's backtrack to the team that you're wearing right now and that experience (laughs) covering the Cincinnati Bearcats this season, going to Dallas, the college football playoff. I mean, it had to have been a heck of an experience. It was it was awesome. And and the experience wasn't limited to Dallas. The experience really was the season, you know, for for those of us in Cincinnati who are old enough to remember what it was like when UC football was a complete afterthought, when people were talking about the program dropping down to one double a, when there was a faculty movement to get rid of football, when you had to buy football season tickets to go to basketball games. Um, For those of us who are old enough to remember all that stuff to uh, have a season like this unfold the way it did where, I mean, they didn't just make the college football playoff. They were talked about before the season as making the college football playoff. You know, it's not like they, they came out from nowhere and snuck up on people. This was a team ranked in the top 10. And so the fact that we went into this season talking about how, well, God, if they don't make the college football playoff, it's going to seem kind of underwhelming. I'm like, really? You see football? Really? The, the program that I've been a fan for for 30 years. And yet um, not only did we talk about them making the college football playoff, they, they exceeded everybody's expectations and they made it. And uh, the result of the game itself was certainly disappointing. I didn't love the way the Bearcats played, but none of that diminished what they were able to accomplish. And I think the fun thing is you can certainly envision them going back because of how how good the program is, um, membership in the Big 12, which is coming, the recruiting that they've been doing. Um, it's a really fun time to be a Bearcat fan, but the experience was was unbelievable until kickoff on New Year's Eve. Right. Absolutely. Obviously, Alabama, heavy, heavy favorites in that matchup. But hey, perspective matters. As you said, they made it. And heck, you've got momentum going into that 2022 campaign. So we'll see what happens with the Bearcats. Let's go to the NFL, the Cincinnati Bengals. I want to just start macro here, Mo. Did you foresee a season like this in 2021? Joe Burrow, that electric offense, complimentary defense, going to the playoffs, winning the division? Um, I certainly believe this team offensively could be really, really fun and really, really explosive. Um, I thought, you know, the, the Vegas over under was six and a half. I thought they would hit the over. Uh, I thought that was a pretty good bet. They had one more home game than road game this year, a 17th game, Joe Burrow in his second season. If they kept him upright, um, I certainly thought it was likely they were going to win more than six and a half games. But if you would have told me 
that they will win the AFC North with a week to spare, I would have said that's that's a little bit too ambitious. I think the idea here was, well, they could play in some really meaningful games in late December and early January. And, you know, perhaps they can sneak into the postseason. And, hey, you know, what if things fall the way they do? Maybe maybe a 10-win team does win this division, and perhaps the Bengals can get there, but I wouldn't have bet on that. And so the, the way this has all unfolded has been, has been I think, a, a pleasant surprise for a lot of people. You know, it's the Bengals, and you're used to them sort of not living up to expectations when expectations are high and being as bad as you think when you think they're going to be bad. And so this team had to win a lot of people over and, and they did, but I, I think it was abundantly clear early in the season that this team had the offensive potential to, to hang with teams. And the reason I say that is early in the season, they weren't great offensively and yet they still beat Minnesota. They played a flawless second half against Jacksonville. They went to Pittsburgh and won big. They nearly beat green Bay. They should have beat green Bay. And you kept thinking like, all right, they're hanging around and they're winning games. And yet, the offensive potential hasn't been completely realized when it is realized. Oh my God, what's that going to look like? And we've seen what it's looked like the last couple of weeks when they have been almost unstoppable against Baltimore and Kansas city. Right. They blew the doors off my Ravens twice this year. <laughs> One of those games with Lamar Jackson at quarterback. I mean, truly amazing stuff. We talk about Jamar. We talk about Joe Burrow and Mixon, but I want to talk about this offensive line and the development there of that unit here, Mo, because for so many years, that was a sticking point of struggles, pass protection and run blocking included. So talk about the improvement there on that front five. They've been better. They haven't been great. Um, and, you know, when we flash ahead to the offseason and we talk about areas in which the Bengals need to make improvements, you're going to start with the offensive line. But They've gotten a full season from Jonah Williams, uh, who was the 11th overall pick in 2019. Coming into this season, he had played 10 games. He's held up pretty well. Um, they signed Riley Reef in free agency, and unfortunately, Riley is hurt and going to miss the rest of the season, but he was an upgrade from what they had at right tackle. They've been okay. I think they give a lot of credit to the new offensive line coach, Frank Pollock, who's the old offensive line coach because he was here a couple of years ago, left, came back. Uh, he's really, really highly regarded. He's somebody that I think they give a lot of credit to being able to sort of just mold this offensive line into a competent unit, but competent was what they were striving for um, coming into the season. And, you know, you go back to the draft, one of the most polarizing decisions that any team had in the NFL was the Bengals at five overall. Are you taking Panay Sewell regarded by many as the best offensive lineman in the draft? Or are you taking Jamar Chase regarded by many as the best wide receiver in the draft? And to me, it was less about one player versus the other. It was, do you understand what the Bengals are going to try to accomplish here? Which is, we think we can do a better job of protecting our quarterback because he's going to be more experienced and somebody's always going to be open. <laughs> and so we can scheme around that. He still has taken a ton of sacks. He still has taken a ton of hits. You would still stop way short of calling this offensive line a strength of the team, but they've been okay. And the explosiveness and the realization of what they thought the wide receiver group could be and the, the added dimension of Joe just gaining experience. I think that has certainly made the offense function and it's done. It's, it's served its purpose in terms of keeping Joe upright. He's, he's not as upright as they would like, trust right. me on that one, but he has, everybody said coming into the season, well, he's not going to make it through the whole year. Uh, he's going to get carted off again. Those things obviously haven't happened yet. Well, the Bengals are looking ahead to the postseason here, Mo, but 
as far as AFC North supremacy is concerned, I'm going to stop short of saying the Bengals are going to rule this division for years to come. We still have Lamar. <laughs> we still have a competent Browns team. The Steelers are heading in the wrong direction. I understand that. Where are you at in regards to that? I mean, obviously the Bengals will be favorites to win next year, you would think. But as far mm -hmm. as supremacy is concerned, are they the Kings now? Well, yeah, because they won the division, so they rule the roost. I, I put it to the I put it to my audience uh, this way the other day. If you you said to me, um, over the next three years, you have to wager on one team to win the division multiple times. My money would be on Cincinnati. Hmm. Now things change very very quickly, and you know, let's be honest, Baltimore was ravaged by injuries this year, and that's not just a recent thing. That was something we talked about during uh, training camp. Right, but. It does feel like the Cincinnati team is ascending and the head-to-head -head matchups. If you don't want to count the second one, I certainly understand it. But the first game Cincinnati went to Baltimore and annihilated them. And you, you get the sense, you know, the Bengals do have a lot of cap space. They still have a quarterback under a rookie contract. They don't have to give them a deal yet. So they're going to have some flexibility this off season to make the team better. And you just get the sense that Joe Burrow is still really growing into the role and look what he's already accomplished this year with numbers that, frankly are on par with Brady and Rogers. And so I, I don't, I don't think it's, it's yet. I don't think it's, we're, we're ready to bail on the idea that the Browns could be very good, but they have one of the most interesting questions about what to do a quarterback in the entire league. And Pittsburgh is sort of in a, a, a different boat, but still a, 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 a very important question about what to do with their QB. Hmm. The Bengals have no such concerns and the quarterback play is I think only going to get better. And the offense is only going to improve. And so I do tend to think that for the short term, and by the way, the next three seasons, that's an eternity in the NFL. But I think if you were to bet on one team to win multiple division titles, 22, 23, and 24, I think the smarter money would be on Cincinnati. And a PSA to Don Wink Martindale. Stop giving <laughs> Joe Burrow bulletin board material. Like, I hate that, Mo, in general, and especially when it's for my own team. I think back to John Harbaugh complaining to Bill Belichick in that 2014 playoffs about the whole reporting ineligible thing. It's like, John, you lost. Move on. It's just, yeah. you know. You know, I, I, I think sports are fun when we have those things. And, I mean, to me, that's that's the nature of of a rivalry. And so now watching these two teams go head to head against each other uh, is, is going to be fun with the dimension of dislike that we got this year, because, you know, typically Ravens and Bengals games, when Baltimore is good, they wipe the floor with Cincinnati. When the Bengals are good, they wipe the floor with Baltimore mm. and not really all that much is made of it. Now we've got, we've got some heat here and I think heat's good in sports. Absolutely. Let's look at week 18 here, Mo. And Boy, I'm really intrigued about your perspective on this. It's Brandon Allen versus Case Keenum this week, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right, the Bengals are six-point dogs on the road. And, I mean, it's mathematically possible here, Mo, for the Bengals to, to get to the number one overall seed. I know it's, like, impossible if you really crunch the numbers here, but it's mathematically possible. So are the Bengals punting this week? What say you? I don't think they're punting this week. I think they're going to try to beat an okay team with a backup quarterback with their backup quarterback. They can believe in and do that with the thought that it's better to have Joe Burrow healthy in the postseason uh, than it is to play with Brandon Allen anywhere against anybody in the postseason. I, I remember the, the Cincinnati Bengals somewhat recent postseason history. You've got two games in which they had to play with backup quarterbacks, both times against the Steelers, 2005 Carson Palmer hurt on his first pass attempt. Uh, John Kitten has to come in. Bengals lose 2015. Andy Dalton got injured at the end of the regular season. AJ McCarron had to come in. He was right. terrible for three quarters. Bengals lose. And so those 
games are fresh in my memory. And so um, if there was a clearer path to the one seed, Joe Burrow would be playing. If there was a clearer path to something, if this game obviously meant, you know, they, they could win the division, the, the, the knee that he banged up is, is healthy enough for him to play. But I, I, I think seeding and opponent and where you play is far less relevant than making sure you have your guy behind center. And so they're going to try to win the game on Sunday and they believe Brandon Allen can win the game on Sunday. They're not punting on the game. Brandon Allen, by the way, last year, week 16 played very well, won a game against the Houston Texans. I don't have a list of top to bottom, best to worst backup quarterbacks in the league, but, but I would think he would be in the upper third of guys who are backing up starters that you would feel like could come in and win a game against an okay opponent that has nothing to play for. That's also starting their backup quarterback. Although, frankly, I think Case Keenum right now is an upgrade from Baker Mayfield. So they're going to try to win the game, but they're not going to try to win it at the expense of what's most important. And the most important thing for this team, their greatest asset is health. And they've been very lucky in that regard. Uh, Their main guys, for the most part, have not had to miss time. They've had, you know, players have had to go on IR. But among the main dudes offensively, T. Higgins missed a couple of games. Uh, Joe Mixon's dealt with a little bit of an ankle issue. But their main guys are healthy. That is a huge reason why this team is where it is. Their greatest asset is health. And so they're not going to do anything to compromise it for a game that is meaningful, but not that meaningful. Let me just ask you this as a follow-up. If Kansas City, and it's a big if, loses to Denver, that's one of the ingredients for the Bengals to get that top seed. Does Joe possibly play, or is that just foregone conclusion he's not playing? I think it's mostly a foregone conclusion that he play. I think that dynamic would be would be interesting. Um, but no, I, I think they still view the health of Joe Burrow as, and, and by the way, I think this, this would be interesting to see how this would unfold had he not suffered that very, very slight injury that caused him to miss the last two plays, the, 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 the kneel down and the spike against Kansas city, had there been no knee injury, I think it'd be interesting, interesting to see how they would handle Sunday. But my guess is no matter what, uh, that Joe is not going to play. By the way, I also think they want to get some game reps to Brandon Allen because this team has also been pretty lucky with the COVID thing as well, and you just mm. simply don't know what could be lurking next. And so if, God forbid, Joe Burrow were to end up on the COVID list, I think they'd like to have Brandon Allen having taken some recent game snaps against a pretty decent defense. But uh, I, I would be willing to bet that they at least entertain. Hey, do we want to revisit this whole bench Joe Burrow thing? But my guess is that barring something unforeseen, Brandon Allen is going to be the quarterback on Sunday. Right. That Kansas City and Denver game is just one of many ingredients for that number one overall seed. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about who the Bengals really cannot play. Like it's an automatic loss or close to a loss or a team that scares you, Mo. Is there anybody out there that actually scares you or is it bringing on? I, I think from, well, look, Kansas City's formidable. And we saw they were maybe a possession away in the first half of that game on Sunday from running away and hiding. So their offensive capabilities are terrifying. I don't care who you are. I think they're particularly terrifying for a team that has a defense that is okay. But I I think the thing that would give me some degree of pause would be Tennessee because they can keep Burrow off the field. Indianapolis because they can keep Burrow off the field. New England secondary is outstanding and it's Bill Belichick, but, but I'll be, but I'll be honest with you. If, if you've got a quarterback with this sort of, of group of wideouts who is not going to be phased by any environment. And I, I think that's key. I, I, I think if you said to Joe Burrow, you got to go to Arrowhead stadium and win a football game, he'd say, okay, I'll go do it. Right. I think if you said to him, you know, you got to go to Tennessee, you got to play against Belichick 
or uh, possessions are going to be minimized because Indy's going to try to take the air out of the ball. I think he'd say, yeah, fine. We're, we're up to the task. The, the Bengals in recent weeks, as cliche as this sounds, they've won their last three games. Um, the Baltimore game, a little bit of an outlier because the Ravens just frankly could not uh, field a competitive team. But perhaps the most impressive of their three consecutive wins was the Denver game, a game in which they only scored 15 points. Right. Why was it impressive? Because they stopped turning the football over. The previous week against San Francisco, turnovers on offense and special teams. The week prior against the Chargers, they dig a 24-0 hole because of turnovers. The last three weeks, no turnovers. And sometimes they've been explosive without the turnovers. At times, they've had to play field position football and rely on their defense like they did against Denver. When this team doesn't turn it over, they win. Uh, they are now 9-1 and one this season when they don't lose the turnover battle. So it's cliche to mention such things, but their biggest opponent on offense this year has been themselves. Now, again, do you really want to get into a shootout with Patrick Mahomes, especially if the game's in Kansas City? I guess not. But I don't, I don't gather that this team itself is going to be phased by anything, and it's also worth pointing out. While you have to give the Chiefs credit for winning all those games, it's not like in the postseason in recent years that they've destroyed everybody. Uh, they haven't covered a number in the postseason over the last two seasons. Uh, they were down 24 nothing against Houston two years ago. They were down 10 nothing early against Tennessee two years ago. They had a really hard time putting away the two teams they played at home in the postseason last year. And so I, I, don't, I don't know that it's a foregone conclusion that if you go to Kansas City, you're going to get walloped. Right. Cincinnati's offense stood toe-to-toe -to -toe and beat Patrick Mahomes in that Kansas City offense. Um, but, look, the Bengals aren't great defensively. Their offensive line is okay at best. It is a young team when it comes to postseason experience and things like that. Uh, and so I think no matter who they play, if they were to play the L.A. Chargers, look, that's a Chargers team that came to Paul Brown Stadium and beat them. Um, and, it, and at one point looked like they were going to run away and hide. But getting back to the original question, I think that the scariest proposition would be they play Kansas City, they can't stop Kansas City, and suddenly a team that didn't turn it over against Kansas City the first game is now turning it over again. Because I don't know that if you need the Bengals' defense to get stops uh, against KC as well as they played in the second half this last game, I'm not sure that's a proposition you're necessarily going to count on. Now, it wouldn't exactly be that, but playing a team twice in a row obviously is very, very difficult in the NFL. Obviously not the case. You have the Browns in between, but Kansas City, Browns, and then Kansas City again, really difficult to uh, sweep a team like that, especially with Patrick Mahomes at the quarterback position. I want to give you the floor real quick here, Mo, about Ben Roethlisberger. He's likely hanging it up after this week, unless the Steelers make the playoffs. You've covered him, obviously, in the AFC North for so long. Encapsulate his career for me. A uh, very good career. Um, you, you, you really do wish for obvious reasons that some of the, uh, more sorted off field, uh, adventures that he put himself through were not a part of the process. We're not a part of the discussion because we would be talking about him differently, but mm. purely from a football perspective, if you want to go down that road, um, you know, look, he's, he's had a hall of fame career. Um, if I was a Pittsburgh fan though, I would be looking at the last 10 years, sort of going, God, we had a hall of fame quarterback and. Look at all the mystifying playoff losses, getting blown out at home by Jacksonville, losing to Tim Tebow, um, getting beaten by the, the corpse of Peyton Manning in 2015. They, right. they really did suffer while Ben was in his prime, coming out of his prime, I guess, while they had really good offensive players like Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. Um, 
if you would have told me after they lost to the Packers in the Super Bowl after the, what was that, 2010 season? season? Yeah. If you would have told me that, first of all, neither of those two quarterbacks will make a, a Super Bowl, at least going into the uh, 2021 season, I would have said you're out of your mind. And I would, have, I would have bet against the Steelers not getting to a Super Bowl over that next decade. Now, Tom Brady had a lot to do with that. But, yeah, the overall career has been, um, has been great. Um, and, you know, certainly frustrating to a lot of Bengals fans, certainly frustrating to a lot of people um, who root for teams in the AFC North. Uh, an annoying player to root against because, you know, at his heyday, every time you thought you were getting him to the ground, you couldn't. Uh, a guy who was great at improvising, um, a guy who just sort of gave off the vibe of, yeah, I'll let Tom Brady be a gym rat and I'll, eat, I'll let him eat avocado ice cream. I'm just going to sort of put my work in that I have to. I'm going to play golf, drink beer, and I'll show up on Sunday and do we'll go out yoga. there and wing it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, do a little yoga. I'll show up on Sunday and we'll go out there and have fun. Um, but, you know, again, they've, they've had so many just sort of weird playoff losses, many of them at home, that you can't not include that in the conversation. This is a guy. So they win the title in 05. They win it again in 08. Uh, and then the guy plays 13 more years and they only get back to one more Super Bowl. Great career. And, you know, he won two titles and went to three championships or went to three uh, Super Bowls. But, boy, you just would have felt like he would have done more, especially the fact they, they gave him some great offensive weaponry and they could only get to one more AFC championship game. I think back to that 2014 season, Pittsburgh won the division. Ravens go on the road for the wild card. I did not give them a shot to beat Pittsburgh. And yeah. Pittsburgh like coughed it up. They just were awful. It was so yeah. weird. So it's a great point. But yeah, uh, so we'll see what happens this weekend with Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Let's get to the best bets here, Mo, for the football weekend here in week 18. Really tough handicapping week because yeah. you have the potential sits and what have you, COVID. What are some of your plays this week? So you have sits and you just, you have motivation, right? So I'm looking for games in which I don't have to question anybody's motivation. So I start with Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Both these teams obviously have outside chances to make the postseason. When I see a big number in a Pittsburgh Baltimore game, I take the points. Nine of their last 13 matchups have been one score games, including the game this year. That was a one point game. The Ravens, as you well know, they play in a ton of close games. They've lost by one or two in four of their last five. They played in a ton of close games earlier in the season when they were healthy. Uh, when either team is favored by more than three, the underdog in the last 19 Steelers Ravens games is 17 and two against the spread. Wow. Mike Tomlin as a dog after week five, 36, 14 and one. I'm getting five and a half points with the team that does have the clearer path to the postseason. So I'm going to go ahead. Sorry, Cam. I'm going to take uh, the Steelers in the five and a half points. Patrick Mahomes versus Denver is money. He's eight, no straight up six and two against the spread that Denver offense without Teddy Bridgewater has scored 13 points last two weeks with drew lock. So if they yeah. score 13 points again, Kansas city's got to score 24 to cover. I think Kansas city can score 24. I think they will. And nobody's questioning their motivation. I expect the Jacksonville Jaguars to absolutely lay down. They're dreadful. Um, since the bye week, they have five losses by 20 points or more. There's no motivation there. I think Indy covers and they cover easily. I like Seattle and what could be Russell Wilson's final start with the Seahawks. Eight of the last 11 matchups between Seattle and Arizona have been one score games. And I feel like there's been a bit of a, I don't know, overvaluation of Arizona since they beat a Dallas team that is struggling. Their offense has faded in recent weeks. Their defense is not the same without J.J. Watt. I'm going to get seven points with Seattle. I'll take the seven points. 
I don't know who Tampa Bay is going to play against Carolina. I don't think they should play anybody. They can't get the one. So I think they use this as their buy, their laying, or their, uh, their get, they're giving eight points. I'm going to go ahead and take the eight points. I'm also going to go ahead and take the seven with Miami. Bill Belichick has not been great against Miami. He's only covered in two of his last nine. And I think there's going to be some scoreboard watching. And what if Buffalo and the Jets, what if that game gets out of hand? Right. Suddenly, do the Patriots start pulling guys? I'm going to take the seven. And just because I'm a Cincinnati guy, uh, the Bengals are going to get six against Case Keenum and the Browns. I think the Browns are going to play hard. But if you're going to give me six in a matchup between a team, that does have something to play for with a reasonably competent backup quarterback. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take the six points with Cincinnati, despite the fact that Cleveland did house the Bengals at Paul Brown stadium earlier this year. There you go. Look, Brandon Allen is going to want to ball out in this game again, motivation, but also repetitions and who knows what happens in the playoffs with COVID and Mm -hmm. potentially being out and what have you. So Great stuff there, Mo. Appreciate you, my man. He's Mo Egger, host on ESPN 1530 and contributor to the Athletic Bengals analyst. He's got a busy rest of January and perhaps February as well. I appreciate it, Mo. All right, Cam. Thank you. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.